Good morning, everyone. You don't know how pleased I am to see you this morning. We're happy that you're here. And we're glad for those that are online with us this morning. We're going to start by singing, Glorify Thy Name. Would you stand while we sing this, please? Father, we love you, we worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Glorify thy name. Welcome, church. It's good to have everybody here on Memorial Day weekend. Our services this morning at West Irwin, and we are thankful for all that are in attendance here and those that are online as well. I've just got a few things that I wanted to discuss before the opening prayer. We have uh, changed communion as of about two years ago, y'all know, so we don't pass out the trays anymore. And it's been on our mind that during communion, See, that's awkward, isn't it? That's real awkward for me, by the way. 
During communion, when someone is up here presenting their communion talk in a prayer, there's not a delay for us, each of us in the pew, to contemplate what communion means. Because the person doing that is standing up here, and as soon as they finish the bread, they're compelled by the awkwardness of standing in front of a mic and not saying anything to move forward with speaking about and praying for the cup. So starting next week, we're going to implement that, that the speaker is either going to sit down or back away from the mic so you know that they're not going to interrupt your thoughts so that you may have time to reflect on the importance of the communion, on the importance of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For without that, there would be no reason to be here today. So hopefully it will not be an awkward moment. They're going to either step back away from the mic or sit down in one of these seats up here to allow us time to reflect of the importance of that. We're probably going to instill a verse of a song in between those as well for another period of time to give us time to meditate a little bit about that. So, and uh, the elders have talked to the church in Uvalde and contacted them, Grant Knight did, and asked them if they needed anything now that this church was wanting to help in any way we could. And they said, no, we don't need any financial help whatsoever, but we would solicit your prayers, of course. So that's just an update on that. If you don't mind bowing, we will have our opening prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning acknowledging who you are. You are the creator, sustainer of this universe, and also provider of the path to salvation and eternal life with you in heaven. And for that, we are very grateful and indebted to you for eternity. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, for strength for Sue Hughes and the loss of her daughter, Julie Montgomery, this past week. We pray also for Julie's son, Adam. Pray that you will give them strength and peace in this situation, tragic situation of the the death of uh, Julie this past week. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you will look... uh, and lay your hand upon all of the people in Uvalde that were affected by this tragic situation this past week. We as a church body are reminded of the, the work of Satan in this world. Each time we see something like this, we reminded through history we've seen Satan's work of deception and lying and hate in Nazi Germany and Soviet Union and in China where tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of people have perished because of his deceiving and lying nature. We saw it in Buffalo, New York and we've seen it in New Valley, closer to home where Satan has entered the hearts of men and blackened their hearts to create in them a evil person that is capable of atrocities. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us recognize from that that Satan is not just in Buffalo, New York in a grocery store in a man, not just in Uvalde, Satan is walking and roaming through this whole world, including each and every one of us, trying to tempt us into turning our backs on you. He is a deceiver and a liar. He tries to make us think that it's not important in what we watch on TV or on the Internet. That it doesn't matter. He tries to deceive us in thinking it doesn't matter how we respond to others, whether in person or online. He tries to deceive us into thinking that alternative lifestyles are appropriate 
or that people living together before they are married is appropriate. He tries to deceive us in convincing us that maybe we don't need to go to church today. He tries to deceive us into thinking maybe we don't need to go to Bible class today. Or that our kids will grow up okay if we don't go to Bible class and take them to church or teach them about you. He is what he is. A despicable liar. And attempting to deceive each and every one of us, not just a man in an elementary in Uvalde, but every one of us. Help us see his actions in our lives. Help us turn away from him every chance that we have and turn and fix our eyes upon you. Help us to see the deception and the lies that he is presenting to each and every one of us and recognize them for what they are. Because he has blackened the hearts of many in the past and he will try to blacken our hearts as well. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, this Memorial Day weekend that we will reflect and remember those who have paid the ultimate price to protect our liberties and freedoms that we enjoy in this country. A country that is nowhere near perfect, but it is the most perfect country that has ever existed on this earth. It's not even a shadow of what heaven will be like. But it is a great country that we all enjoy freedoms. Freedoms to worship and to speak, to defend ourselves. And for those who have paid the ultimate price to defend those freedoms, we're thankful. We come together today, dear Heavenly Father, as your church to worship you. We pray that we'll stay focused on the reason that we are here. We fail you, dear Heavenly Father, and we fail you often. And for that, we're indeed sorrowful. We pray your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. sing these three short songs and then we will partake of the Lord's Supper.
Good morning. Approximately 1,967 years ago, and for our purposes we'll call it 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Lord's Church in the city of Corinth. Paul addressed some problems that existed in that congregation. It was a new congregation, relatively speaking. They had several issues, and Paul addressed them with some needed guidance. False teachers had uh, infiltrated the congregation, and they had caused dissension. Some of the false teachers considered themselves enlightened and much more mature in their thinking than the Apostle Paul and other ministers who had been preaching and teaching at Corinth. Paul addressed this issue with an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 and a few verses that followed. He said that, uh, of course, through inspiration, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. God's enemies in that period of time sought signs and wisdom. Paul said that we, the church, as today, preach Christ crucified. Paul said that this was a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles of his day. Well, what about today? There are millions of people around the globe that believe what we do here this morning at West Irwin is foolishness. We preach Christ crucified. Bill will touch on that in his lesson. He always does. That's what we're about. We preach Christ crucified. We partake of bread on the Lord's day. We partake of the fruit of the vine. Remembering someone who lived a perfect, sinless life and was crucified for mankind. Paul went on to say that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. This morning, I know I speak for you as well as myself, we are humbled and honored to be able to partake of this Lord's Supper without apology. Again, it may seem foolish to many, many people out there, but it's not to us. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that on this Lord's Day we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, sing these beautiful songs to you, pray, listen to the word of preach to us, partake of this Lord's Supper. And Father, now as we partake of this bread, this unleavened bread, it represents your son's body that was crucified for mankind. We don't have the words to properly thank you for that sacrifice, giving your son for us. But now as we open this container and remove this little piece of bread, may seem foolish to the world, but to us this morning, it is the truth in Jesus Christ. So we take this now in remembrance of him and thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let's continue. Lord, again, we took of a little piece of bread, remembering your son. And now we continue by taking a little sip of fruit of the vine, which represents the blood that was shed for us. Father, we never want to take this in vain. We want to thank you for what your son did for us. And again, so many millions of people around the globe don't understand this, and yet we do, and we are humbled to be able to do this this morning. So now, Father, bless us as we partake of this. Again, thank you so much for what Jesus did on our behalf. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I don't know where I heard this, but years ago I read somewhere where selfish people do not understand generosity. There's a lot of truth in that. Here at West Irwin, we have a wonderful congregation, and over the years we've been able to help a lot of people thanks to the men and women who attend here. The Lord has blessed West Irwin for decades, and we're thankful for that. And we continue to ask the Lord's blessing on our congregation. And we look forward to have opportunities to do good, to preach the gospel, to reach some of these very people that I mentioned during the Lord's Supper. Millions of people do not understand what the gospel message is all about. And yet, from West Irwin, we hope that we can reach those that are lost. And in order to do that, it takes funds. And so now we're going to ask Jesus and the Lord to bless our offering. And we hope that it will be used to further the borders of the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, you have blessed West Irwin. You've blessed us individually. And we're thankful for that. We'd ask you to continue to, to bless us. We're thankful for our homes, our employment, opportunities to make a living. And yet, Father, we understand that we are to glorify you with our material possessions. And so, Father, as we take this collection this morning, whether it be online or in person, However we choose to give, we just thank you for the opportunity. It is part of our worship, just as singing, preaching, the Lord's Supper, everything we do, we thank, we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing about these wonderful blue skies we've been having as our kids come up for kids' time today. Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Tall mountains, green valleys, the beauty that surrounds me all make me aware of the one who made it all. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. You know, tomorrow is a holiday that we celebrate in our country 
called Memorial Day. And it allows us to remember, to remember people who fought in a war or to remember our law enforcement like our police and sheriffs that help protect us today because that's what memorials do. They help us to remember. And so we remember and we're thankful because they allow us to be able to live happy lives here in this country. You know, in the same way Jesus died and we remember how much he loved us in giving his life and, and he does that so that we can live with a lot of different blessings and we're gonna sing about three of them in just a minute. We're gonna sing about peace and we're gonna sing about joy and we're gonna sing about love. And you know this song, but you're going to have to stand up. So stand up where you can uh, be safe, relatively speaking. And so here's how we're going to do this. And you know this song, right? I've got peace like a river. Do you remember the symbols, the signs, the motions? I've got peace, the peace sign, like a river. Okay. I've got joy like a fountain. Right? You have to do this in some embarrassing way. Um, And I've got love. So we do this for love like an ocean. And the ocean is like the umpire calls you safe in in a, a baseball or softball game. Okay, so peace like a river, joy like a fountain, love like an ocean. Okay, ready? I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. Got joy like a fountain in my soul, not in my shoe. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. Got joy like a fountain in my soul, not in my shoe. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean. Got love like an ocean in my soul. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean. I've got love like an ocean in my soul. Okay, now we're going to do all three of them. But we're not going to do them all at once. Mr. Bill doesn't have the air for that verse. So we're going to do them one by one, but we'll do all three of them. Are you ready? I've got peace like a river. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got love like an ocean in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got love like an ocean in my soul. Remember that Jesus gave his life so that we can live with peace like a river, joy like a fountain, and love like an ocean. Okay, you can go to Blast or back to your pew while we sing about Jesus one more time. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Will you stand while we sing because he lives. <clears throat> God sent his son, they call him Jesus. He came to
seated. Thanks for that great song, Wayne, and that great reminder, because he lives. A reminder we need very much uh, each day today. Glad again to welcome you all, those online, welcome as well. We have a good crowd here today on Memorial Day weekend, which means that we have some visitors with us and we have some of our folks visiting elsewhere. So if you're traveling, be safe and um, appreciate you spending time with us today in worshiping our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know uh, Wade, during our shepherd's prayer time, shared a little bit about uh, what's going to be happening starting next Sunday in our worship assemblies, and we're going to try to uh, do some things that will help us be able to encourage one another as we focus our attention upon worshiping and praising our great God. So we're looking forward uh, to that in the coming weeks as well. Next Sunday also is a new quarter for our Bible classes. So if you haven't been attending Bible class, next week is a great Sunday to start. It's at 9 a.m., We'll be studying about God's goodness beginning in the book of Galatians this coming quarter. Also, in a couple of weeks, uh, Kelly Ross is going to be leading a singing class, and that's going to be taking place on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m., in addition to our other activities that we have on Sunday evening. So I believe that will be starting on June the 12th. So if you'd like to be a part of that, we look forward to that group. Uh, continuing to help us in our worship service and helping us as we sing praises to our God and our Lord. Uh, We have our summer series coming up starting this Wednesday. Speaking of singing, Chuck Munoz from Shiloh Road Church of Christ here in town will be with us and will be leading us in the chapel uh, with a wonderful song service, and we're excited about that and uh, looking forward to that. We also have camps coming up for our youth starting tomorrow. Uh, Donnie Cook will be taking some of our peewees to camp every day this coming week. Vacation Bible School is now scheduled. There's more about that in the bulletin. So lots of wonderful activities, wonderful ways that God is blessing us, uh, wonderful ways that we are seeking to do exactly what uh, Stan shared as we gathered around the table today and then as we remembered the opportunity and the blessing it is uh, to give financially to the work of the Lord. And there's a lot of that work that is going on. Of course, this is uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's an opportunity for us to pause and uh, remember. Memorial Day calls us to remember and to uh, be thankful. So I'm going to try to tell you the blanks to fill in in a very clear and precise way, since you're not going to get to see it at least for a few moments. Memorial Day, this is the first line, Memorial Day calls us to remember and be thankful. Of course, that's true of our servicemen. We remember those and think of those who have defended uh, the cause of freedom, who enable us to live with peace and joy and love and hope and blessing uh, in this world. And we're grateful for their sacrifice and for everything that they have done as they seek to uh, uh, help and encourage us uh, and provide that for us. And they have given some of them, many of them, the ultimate sacrifice. And so we're grateful for them and their families. We're thankful for our law enforcement that helps keep our lives uh, safe. We're thankful for uh, all of those that are first responders that enable us and allow us to be able to uh, have the help that we need uh, when we need it. And I think Memorial Day is a great opportunity for us to remember and to be thankful. And it's also a great opportunity for us to remember our own church family and others who have been in our lives, who have enabled us and helped us uh, to find that faith and to see it lived out. Earlier this year, we remembered those that we have lost that were members of our church family over the last couple of years in 2020 and 2021. And there were over 20 people that we especially remembered, many of them very core leaders of this church, all of them members here. And we have lost, of course, some since then, and we continue to remember them and to seek uh, God's care for those that they have left uh, behind. And so Memorial Day does that. It calls us to remember, and it calls us to be thankful So let's think about memorials uh, this morning. Memorials call us to remember. 
That's the first step. That's one of the things that uh, memorials do. They call us to remember. That's true of gravestones. When you go and visit a loved one, a family member, and you go and visit their grave, it calls us to remember. It calls us to remember their life. calls us to remember the relationship that we shared with them. Uh, Many times when there is a traffic accident, you'll see a cross or a wreath or something placed there at that scene. And it allows us to, uh, it calls us to remember. And we think about the horrible uh, shooting in Uvalde. Uh, Wade mentioned that during our shepherd's prayer and other recent uh, shootings. And it's a, a, it's a very horrible, sad thing. And typically when that happens, there are memorials that are set up uh, somewhere related uh, to that scene. And that is a, it's a wonderful thing that we do that so that we can remember. Memorials call us to remember. They call us to remember. The Lord's Supper that we re- just took just a few moments ago. Uh, calls us to remember. It calls us to remember the Lord and the great blessing and sacrifice that he made for us, but it also calls us and allows us and enables us uh, to remember the great hope that we have in Christ. Memorials call us to remember. So a couple of things about that. First of all, to remember the dead. Memorials call us to remember But first of all, they call us to remember the dead. They call us to remember those who have sacrificed Memorial Day. They call us to remember those who have passed away and our loved ones and our families as we consider that as we stand at their grave. Memorials call us to remember, first of all, to remember the dead, and then secondly, to remember the living. Memorials call us to remember the living. Now, that may be one that um, you're a little bit unfamiliar with. We're behind a couple of slides on there, guys, so thought that you would uh, be able to catch up with us. Memorials call us to remember. Remember the dead. We get that one. But what about remember the living? And this is what I would like to stress this morning and to remind us to... uh, Uh, to think about that those memorials are not just something that call us to think of those who have passed on, those who have sacrificed so much, and it's right that we do that, absolutely. But memorials also call us to remember the living. They call us to consider ourselves, our own lives, and how we're living in light of the sacrifices that were made for us. In light of those loved ones that have passed on and have given us such a great heritage of faith, a great example to follow in some cases who have demonstrated to us some some things maybe that we shouldn't do as we live our lives. Memorials call us to remember, to remember the dead, but also to remember the living. And so a couple of things about that, this familiar statement, a time to be born and a time to die. That's the next blanks, the next line on your outline, a time to be born and a time uh, to die. And of course, many of us who have been around for a few decades remember a wonderful song uh, a while back, um, To Everything Turn, Turn. We remember that great song by the birds, but it's taken right out of Ecclesiastes 3. We find that in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes 3 that begins that passage with these words, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. If you're following along in the daily Bible with F. Lagarde Smith or with some other daily Bible reading, you may be in Ecclesiastes right now. That's exactly where we are looking at this great search for meaning and purpose in life that the wise man, King Solomon, not only experienced in his life and lived out, but then wrote about as well. And he talks about that in chapter 3, that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. 
The writer of Hebrews acknowledges that as well. In Hebrews 9, verse 27, people are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. I know the saying, there's only two things in life that are certain. What are they? Death and taxes. Boy, you got that one pretty well. (laughs) Boy, you want audience participation. Start talking about taxes, apparently. Two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. Well, we certainly know that death is a certainty. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And then the writer of Hebrews follows that up with this statement. Everyone is appointed to die and then to face judgment. That's something that's true of the good and the bad, the rich and the poor, male and female, whatever the racial background, all of us as humans one day will die unless we're living when the Lord returns. And after that, we will face judgment. So there is a time to be born and a time uh, to die. And um, uh, this next line is taken from uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Indiana Jones. And it's one of the great lines from that movie, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I love that scene. I love that scene. You see Indiana Jones here, the great Harrison Ford. And you know the story, right? In Indiana Jones, the first one, he's searching for the lost Ark of the Covenant. So our ears immediately perk up and we want to watch that movie. That's kind of fun. And, and so it, he's looking for the Ark of the Covenant. He's finally found the well of the souls. He's figured out exactly where it is. They've, they've dug down where they can uh, look down there. And so now he looks down into that hole and he sees something kind of strange on the ground. So he drops a a torch down there and he just sees what looks like hundreds of snakes. And he just turns over and he says, snakes, why did it have to be snakes? And then he is finally able to be lowered down and he meets this guy right here, (laughs) right off the bat, snakes. Why did it have to be Snakes. Well, you know, some of the Old Testament Jews in Moses' day made that exact statement. In Numbers, chap- <clears throat> Numbers chapter 21 is a story of an incident while they're going through the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness before they get to the promised land, before Joshua leads them across the Jordan River into Canaan. <clears throat> but during that time, they're really struggling with their faith. And in Numbers 21 is one of the stories that talk about that. Numbers 21, beginning in verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food, which was called what? Manna, which God provided them for by his grace. They're even griping about that. Verse 6. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. (laughs) Now the Israelites really needed this, right? Because they were constantly griping and whining and complaining to Moses and to God about how he was delivering them from Egyptian bondage and how he was providing for them in the wilderness. And so at one of those points where God had had enough, he sent these poisonous snakes. Everyone who died, everyone who was bitten died. And that kind of got their attention, much like this snake got uh, Indiana Jones's attention. And so they go to Moses and they say, we sinned. We have done wrong. We're sorry. We spoke against God. We spoke against you. And we are sorry. Please pray to the Lord to take these snakes away from us. And it's always been interesting to me that God could have reacted in a few different ways. He could have decided, okay, I'll give them what they asked for. I'll take all the snakes away. I'll kill them all. They'll be gone. No one gets bitten or is threatened to be bitten anymore. Or 
He could have allowed the snakes to go ahead and remain there to bite them even, but that they would not die. The bites would no longer be fatal. He could have delivered them that way. Or he could have delivered them the way he chose. (laughs) He told Moses, make a snake. Moses made a snake of, of bronze, a brass snake. Make it big, lift it up so that everyone everywhere can see it. And then when they're bitten, God didn't take the snakes away, nor did he keep them from biting them. When they are bitten, even if they are bitten, if they will look, and I think the idea is with faith, on this bronze snake that you have built, they will not die. God didn't take the, the threat away. The snakes were still there. They were still biting people, but he provided a way. For them, even in that reality, to be saved and to live. Unfortunately, the Israelites began years later to trust in this memorial, in this bronze snake, rather than in the God who delivered them, that that snake pointed to. And so in 2 Kings chapter 18, we find these words, King Hezekiah in the 700s BC, King Hezekiah broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. They had begun to worship this bronze snake, this symbol, this memorial, rather than the God who was actually the power that delivered them. This coming Sunday, I'm going to be beginning a, uh, a series of lessons on the Ten Commandments that will go throughout the summer, calling it the Ten Questions, so I'll talk about that next week. But one of our big problems is the same one that the Israelites had, and that is that we have a, 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 a temptation to worship something else as God that's not God, or to even worship the one true and living God and yet not give him the credit and the power and the trust and the faith that he deserves, that he is worthy of. That's what the Israelites were doing here. That's what we do so often, selling God short. When they worshiped this idol, this memorial, this bronze snake, that's exactly what they were doing. Well, When we turn to the New Testament, to the familiar passage of John chapter 3, there is a connection. For God so loved the world. The verse that everyone knows, right, and can quote, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Well, that verse is in the context of the same story that we just read about in Numbers 21. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Jesus says, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We're all familiar with that verse in John three sixteen, but we forget that context. From Numbers 21, when Moses lifted up that snake in the desert, lifted high so that everyone could look on it with eyes of faith, believing that God would save them, even though they had been bitten, And he did. He did. And so Jesus looks back at that story and and talks about himself and says, just like Moses lifted up, raised up that bronze snake in the desert, in the wilderness, and it saved people by the power of God, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who looks upon him with eyes of obedient faith will be saved, will not die, but will live for eternity. We know that story of how Jesus was betrayed and then deceived and then forsaken and then on horrible false charges 
condemned to death by the governor Pilate and put to death on the cross. And as they nailed him to that cross, and then they took that cross and they put it in the hole in the ground that they had dug for just that purpose. And Jesus was lifted up. Just like that snake, lifted up. For all who wanted to see with eyes of faith and be saved. Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, that one who has been lifted up, we might receive the righteousness of God. That's the salvation that Stan shared about as we gathered around the table, remembering that one event that saves us from our sins. Again, looking back to Hebrews chapter 9, the writer of Hebrews said in verse 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, well, we know there's more to that sentence, right? And there is, and we're all thankful. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear again a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So it's appointed to everyone to die, but it doesn't end there. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Yes, to face judgment, but that judgment is not a bad thing for us. That judgment is vindication, not because of our good lives at all, but because of the good life of the one who was lifted up, raised up for us, the one that we have turned to, the one that we have looked to with eyes of faith and trusted in so that we too can be saved and not die. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And we remember that. We remember that. Remembering the dead as we begin to close today. Remembering the dead helps remind the living how to live. Again, as we think about memorials, they're for the dead, but they also help us to remember the living, and they they call us to take a look at our lives. Remembering the dead helps remind the living how to live, and that was what was so significant, I believe, about Wade's prayer. As he prayed very passionately for us to remember and for God to act in this world that's so difficult that that's so sinful, that Satan is so very well active in. Exactly right. And so memorials help us to remember not just the dead, but the living, including how we are living. It helps to remind us how to live. Memorial Day does that. Let's make the sacrifices that were made for us worthwhile by living lives that are worthy. When we drive by those intersections like um, that little S-curve between on Grande between Old Jacksonville and Broadway, you always see a cross or two or three there. Why? Because it's such a dangerous spot. It reminds the living how to live, to drive with caution, to be careful, to be aware, to slow down. Memorials help remind the living how to live. Gravestones do the same thing. Those flowers that are up by the horrible sites of of shooting, such as in Uvalde and in Buffalo and in other places, remind the living how to live, that we are to live according to the second great commandment, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the Lord's Supper helps us to do that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. That memorial does that. It helps us to remember the one who died for us, but it reminds us how we should live today. So three things to remember this morning. First of all, remember to be devoted to God. Jesus said the first and great commandment was to love the Lord your God. The first two of the, of the Ten Commandments talk about our loving and serving and obeying and worshiping the one true and living God. Remember to be devoted to God. Secondly, remember to serve others. Remember to serve others. Remember to obey that second great commandment. And memorials help to remind us that we are to live not for ourselves, not selfishly, but unselfishly, for the sake of others. 
Remember to be devoted to God. Remember to serve others. And then thirdly, remember to look toward heaven. Remember to look toward heaven. We spoke in our, some of our Bible classes this morning about Paul being taken up and having this incredible experience of being taken up to paradise, to seeing the third heaven, as he called it. And what an incredible blessing that must have been. And I'm sure that throughout the rest of his life, he was looking toward that place. And that's what we're called to do as well. Live our lives every day looking toward heaven. Remember to be devoted to God. Remember to serve others. Remember to look toward heaven. God, others, heaven. If we can help you to remember to live that way, come as we stand, sing our song together. Just as I am sing one verse of He Touched Me, and then we'll be dismissed with prayer. Shackled by a Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who came to this earth and died on that mighty cross. And Lord, we spend this time today in this beautiful building without worrying about anyone coming in here and harming us. We pray for the people at Buffalo and the people in Uvalde today, Lord, and we ask that you'd comfort all them. We pray that you would remember those that have sacrificed their life for us in wars and in other ways, and those like our, those that are taking care of us, we pray that you be with Brother Bill as he breaks the word each week to us. Be with our elders and their families. 
guide, guard, and direct us in everything that we say and do. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.